Well, praise God. If you would, let's turn to the book of Joshua. Of Joshua. Give you a moment to get over there. Hallelujah. The book of Joshua. Now, I don't know how long we're going to stay in Joshua, but we're going to stay there. It's kind of like the cloud, you know. We're going to stay till the cloud moves, and then we'll move with it. So <laughs> we're just glad to know that. But before we get anything here in Joshua, I wanted to read these things to you because I, I just thought it was, it was good to hear. You know, sometimes we just need to read some things that are good for everybody to hear. It's called Passion in the Pulpit. Preach as if you had seen heaven and its celestial inhabitants and have hovered over the bottomless pit and beheld the tortures and heard the groans of the damned. Francis Asbury said that. Passion for the pulpit. It's not just getting up here and speaking words that everybody wants to hear. It's not just stroking the cat one way. Passion. You ought to have a passion for what you do. Whatever that is. Amen. As in Christ, you ought to have a passion for him. Passion for this man called Jesus. I mean, you you just can't satisfy yourself. Amen. I heard Mark Hankins say one time, "You you ought to just get addicted to the word and Jesus will support your habit. Amen. Can you say amen? He will support your habit if you get addicted to him. I preach as though Christ was crucified yesterday, rose again from the dead today, and is coming back tomorrow. Martin Luther. Amen. Martin Luther. What a reformer he was. Hallelujah. (laughs) I preach as never sure to preach again and as a dying man to dying men. Richard Baxter. John Wesley said, catch on fire with enthusiasm and people will come for miles to watch you burn. Wesley also said, If I had 300 men who feared nothing but God, hated nothing but sin, and were determined to know nothing among men but Jesus Christ and Him crucified, I would set the world on fire. Woo! Glory to God. John Wesley, him and his brother. Amen. Amen. Beginners of the Methodist movement, the Methodist church. Some people accuse us of too much emotionalism I'm glad because I am emotional about this man called Jesus you all just have to forgive me I just never did get over being saved some people accuse us accuse us of too much emotionalism I say we have too little that is why we're losing church people to other interests. 
We need not only to capture their minds, we've got to touch their hearts. We've got to make people feel and know and recognize that their faith is real. Billy Graham. (laughs) Passion from the pulpit. Amen. Passion from the pulpit. Amen. Are you in the book of Joshua? Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the leading of the Spirit. Thank you, Father, that we're in a place where this is your service. It's not mine. And we recognize you as the orchestrator, the leader. You are the one with the baton in your hand. And we're ready at your command. So, Father, if it would please you this morning, as we bring your word, these people will probably not hear anything new, but it's all true. So, Father, we thank you for the anointing that you've allowed us to walk with and walk in. So we thank you, Father, for those that are listening today who are hungry and thirsty For a move of the Holy Ghost. For a move of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Not too long ago, before Brother Kenneth Hagin died, I heard him say, If we don't teach the anointing and the move of the Holy Spirit to this generation, they're going to miss it. And they'll never know what it was because they've never been taught about it. It was never brought up. It was never preached about. And folks, I'm one of these guys that I don't want any generation to miss out on what God is doing. What God is doing in your life, in the person's life next to you in the lives of people that you work with, in the lives of your family. Probably everyone in this room today has someone, a family member in their life who was once saved and is backslid, who is lost and needs Jesus. That hits all of us. That hits home. That makes it personal. Well, that's how personal God can be to you if you will allow him to speak into you. Amen. Of course, God's voice is real. And of course, God's anointing is for all of us. But as elect individuals, it's up to us to allow him access in here. In here. That's where he'll do you the best good. Not up here, but in here. I also heard Brother Hagin say one time, the greatest way that you'll hear from God the greatest way that you'll hear from God will usually be by the inward witness. You'll know in here. You'll know in here when it's God. You'll know in here when God speaks to you. You'll know in here what he speaks to you, whether you 
get a witness on that or not. In here, the importance of knowing how to be led by the Spirit is invaluable. He knows everything. He knows everything the Holy Spirit does. He knows why we're all here today. He knows why we all come. He could take each one of us individually and stand us up before him and just begin to open your heart and tell you exactly what's in there. He's God. I said he's God. Amen? Hallelujah. In the book of Joshua, of course, the author, give you a little background this morning. The author, of course, is Joshua. <laughs> Amen. And the theme, the theme of the whole book of Joshua is conquering Canaan or conquering the promised land. That's what that whole book is about. And let me give you some background about Joshua. Now, this is, this is really, really interesting. It was to me, and I believe it will be to you this morning. Joshua records in part the military campaign waged by Joshua in conquering the promised land and concludes with detailed instructions for the division of the land among the tribes. Joshua was on the cutting edge of what God was about to do. It is the first Bible book to bear the name of its principal character. Joshua is the first book to bear the name of the author as well as the one who's speaking in it. As a young man, Joshua served in the tabernacle. Look here in Exodus, if you would. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 11. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face. What an awesome thing to be able to do. Amen. And the Lord spake to Moses face to face as a man speaking unto his friend. Hallelujah. When we go to God, we don't go to God as, as, as our enemy. He's our friend. <laughs> and he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua. Everybody say Joshua. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Joshua was a worker in the tabernacle. He learned all the things, I'm sure, that all the priests did. I heard a guy say one time, working in the tabernacle must have been a bloody, bloody place. It was, especially when you first walked in and there was the uh, a place of sacrifice. It was a bloody place. Very, very, very bloody. Joshua was right in the middle of all of that. Amen? Glory to God. <laughs> uh, he and Caleb were the two among the twelve who brought back favorable report. Look here at Numbers 14. Numbers 14, beginning in verse 6. Numbers 14, beginning in verse 6. Hallelujah. I'll give some of you with your Bibles a little bit of time to get there. Numbers chapter 14, beginning in verse 6. And Joshua, 
Who are we talking about today? Joshua. We're talking about Joshua. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search, it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only, now he gets a little bit serious. He says, only rebel not. Only rebel not against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land. In other words, God is saying, don't come against me and don't be afraid of the people that you're looking at out there. Amen. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. (laughs) Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Hallelujah. God is telling them, you have nothing to be afraid of. He, He told them this. Joshua and Caleb, he told them this. (laughs) But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And verse 11 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will these people provoke me? How long are we going to continue to provoke what God has already told us, what will happen, and what we can have? Because he did. He already gave them the land. He already gave them the land. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people Provoke me, and how long will it be ere the, that they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them, verse twelve. I'll, I'll go to verse twelve. Well, I may go a little bit farther because it all ties in here. I will smite them with pestilence and disinherit them, and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. Now look down here in verse 30 of the same chapter, Joshua 14, 30. He says, Doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein. It says save, but he's talking about only Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Why? Because they were the only two who believed what God told them. They were the only two of the 12 that went into the promised land and said, yes, this land belongs to us. Did they see problems? Yes, they did. Did they see things that might be bigger than them? Yes, they did. But I believe in the back of their mind, they're thinking, well, wait a minute. I see this. 
and I see that. But God said, somebody help me this morning. God said, and when God said it, you're okay. You know, the greatest thing that will help you is when you know for sure yourself, you know what God said to you. Go with what he said to you. And how will you know that God spoke that to you? I said earlier, by the inward witness, you'll know in here. I said, you will know in here. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go on here. Hallelujah. He and Caleb were the two among the 12 who brought back a favorable report. Look here at Numbers 14, or I just read that there. Toward the end of the wanderings, when it was just about over, Moses was divinely led to appoint Joshua as his successor, as a man in whom is the Spirit. Look here at Numbers 27, 18. Numbers 27, verse 18. Numbers 27 and 18, beginning in verse 18 there. Numbers 27, 18 through 23. And the Lord said unto Moses, who said this? The Lord did. Who's he talking to? Moses. Amen. And the Lord said to Moses, take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay thine hand Upon him. God is telling Moses what to do. Let's go on. And set him before Eleazar, who was the high priest, and before all the congregation, and give him charge in their sight, right in front of everybody. I want you to lay hands on him. Amen. Because I'm calling him to a higher level. Glory to God. And, and set him before, let me read 2019 again, I'm sorry. And set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and give him charge in their sight. He wanted all of Israel to see what he's doing. Verse 20. And thou shalt put some of thine honor, speaking of Moses. We all know the life of Moses. What a man of character. What a man of, of, of love and justice and loyalty. This man called Moses. Who better to lay hands on Joshua than a man like Moses? Amen. The man called Moses who talked to God like he was a friend face to face. Woo! That's close. The of Israel may be obedient. In other words, what God is saying, some of that honor that you put on Joshua, they're going to see, and they honored you, Moses, now they're going to honor him. Why? Because God said so. Did the people have a say-so in it? No. It was God's will. It was God's will that Moses lay his hand on Joshua and allow some of that honor, some of that anointing, to flow on and through Joshua. Hallelujah. 21. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, 
who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim before the Lord as his word shall they go out and at his word shall they come in both he and the children all the children of Israel Joshua has just received a great responsibility but as they followed Moses so will they also follow Joshua I like the part of that that says at his word whose word not the Lord but Joshua and Joshua was following the word of the Lord at his word shall they go out and at his word whose word Joshua Who were they following before Joshua came? Moses. They followed Moses right up to the edge of the Red Sea. And you know there was one. Moses, Moses, what are we going to (laughs) do? You know the first thing Moses did? (laughs) Let me talk to God here. (laughs) Let me talk to God here. Amen. Was he afraid of the Red Sea? I think not. Because he knew God. He knew God. Now isn't it ironic how God sometimes gives us things that we think nothing of and God uses them for his glory? Moses had a rod. (laughs) He had a staff. And he lifted it up to make that long story short. And the waves in the Red Sea didn't have a choice but to go back. That was Moses. <laughs> you, think, you think Joshua saw all of that? Yes, he did. He was there. He experienced all of that. He was part of all of that. Joshua wasn't chosen by accident, but God handpicked him to carry on what Moses had already started. At his word, they shall go out, and at his word, they shall come in, both he and all the children of Israel with him. Amen. Even all the congregation. <laughs> Amen. Deuteronomy 138. Look at this one. Deuteronomy 138. Hallelujah. Talking about Joshua. Amen. Joshua 1.38. But Joshua, the son of Nun, which standeth before thee, he shall go in thither and encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Joshua knew, well, he knew a lot of things, but Joshua also knew what his calling was. He knew what he was supposed to be. He knew where he was supposed to go. His calling was now to lead Israel. After all that Moses had did. Pretty big shoes to fill. But it's not about filling shoes. It's about fulfilling God's call on your life. Many of you in here have yet to fulfill the call. Many of you in here are yet to enter in to the call. That God has called you into. For various reasons. I don't know. Only you know that. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm thankful that the one who lives in us 
is greater than any obstacle you will ever face. I said that you will ever face. Can you say amen? 138, but Joshua, the son of Nun, which standeth before thee, he shall go in thither, encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Joshua's heart was to cause Israel to receive everything that God had spoken to Moses about. It was their inheritance. I said it was their inheritance. Remember I said a couple weeks ago, y'all need to show up for Sunday service because I'm going to read the will. Y'all know what's in a will. Your inheritance. This is your will. <laughs> I love, I wish I would have came up with that, but I didn't. I, I, I didn't. But when I heard it, I sure did latch onto it. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> and had with Caleb and Joshua, who followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Look here in Numbers 32.12. Wholeheartedly. They gave everything they had. All those that were there heard the same word that Joshua and Caleb did. They heard the same word. They heard God give a word. And the other ten heard, heard the same thing. Isn't it funny how we can hear the truth of God's word and not everyone will hear the same thing? But the two that heard it sure did take it serious. Amen. And all of us in here who I'm sure are taking God's word serious, he's going to come through. He is going to come through. You just got to Remember, I heard, uh, I heard another brother say one time, sometimes when you're in a little valley, anybody ever been in little valleys where you, you get the molly grub sometimes and you feel sorry and you want somebody to pat you on the back or pat you on the head? You know, it, it, it's, he said, in these valleys is where you can come out strong. Because it's not always going to be that you're in the valley. So what we need to do is just to pick ourselves up by the Spirit and begin to rejoice, he said, in maybe some of the past victories. <laughs> Remember the last time you had a big victory in the Lord and things, you just, I mean, you just... I hear Jude going like this. So he's, he's rehearsing something in his head. I've been there too. And you know, a lot of times, I mean, I'm just like you. I face things just like you do. But when I have those things happen to me, I begin to rehearse. That's right. Ooh, and I start off and I begin to say, Hey, devil, you remember when I got saved? Do you remember when I got saved and God came into my life? And do you remember two weeks later that my wife went to the altar and she got saved? Do you remember that devil? Oh, devil, another thing. Do you remember when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Do you remember that devil? Did you hear that devil? And then I might say, oh, devil, do you remember 
when the doctors told me that my son would never be uh, normal and that he would be in an institution all his life. Oh, devil, let me rehearse this. He's normal. God healed him. He's never had a problem. Devil, do you want me to go on? Rehearse some of those victories that you got. And if God can give you one victory, He can give you another, and another, and another, and another. Glory to God. Glory to God. God's relationship with man. It was all of God's intention from the beginning of the world. That man would have a relationship with him. Many, many things from Genesis to Revelations has God tried to teach mankind, us. Many, many things he's tried to teach us. And will continue to teach us as long as we are alive and are in this body here. Isn't it good to know that he, he, he continually It's like a water fountain. Did you know that water fountain won't go off until you turn it off? But when you turn it on, it's a what? It's a continual flow of God's goodness. I heard Mark Hankins say again, God God and the Holy Spirit is like liquid love flowing through men and women. (laughs) Glory to God. What an awesome service we had today. I told Glenda, I said, I've been, I've been here seven months and, and uh, uh, I'll get your name in a minute. Don't tell me. <laughs> Beverly, that's one of the best lessons that I think we've ever had. Because you were in it and you made that lesson a part of you. Not that you haven't made other lessons a part of that. Because all those things that you did for many years, and the Lord is speaking to you, all those things you did for all those many years, he's not done. What does age have to do with it? Nothing. Moses didn't start doing anything until he was 80. Really significant. Mm -hmm. George, that means you're about to do something. Come on. Amen. Amen. Come on. Age is just a number. Amen. Age is just a number. I like to turn mine backwards. I'm 37. I'm telling you, I'm doing good. Turn, if you get that way, turn your age around and let it help you. But come on. (laughs) He's got a whole new beginning. (laughs) But we'll we'll close with this. It's it's just I can't cover it all. We're just skimming the edges. We've all been in, when I was in the war, we called it foxhole. And uh, it was always good to know that whoever was in your foxhole had your back. So it's kind of like when you get in that foxhole or that hole that just seems too deep sometimes 
to where you don't think you can get out. Make sure that you know who has your back. Make sure you know. Make sure you know who's got you covered. Because it could save your life. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Sometimes you just don't need to go on. Sometimes you just need to quit. (laughs) Just need to stop. Lisa, could you play a little something on the piano for me, please? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. All of God's people said praise the Lord. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning. For the opportunity to share your word, there's so much I want to know. There's so much I want to do. And, and I know in the natural, if I were to look at myself, and many of us in here, if we were to look at ourselves in the natural, if, if we had to look in the natural, to some of us, it would look like we better hurry up if we're going to get something done. But to others... When I was younger and I would hear someone my age, I I would really think, man, I'll never get to be that old. But God, it's not about our ages today. It's not about what we've accumulated. But it's about who we've allowed to come into our lives and take up residence. And I'm so glad that I invited you in, Jesus. That's something I'll never regret. I'll always tell people about the goodness of God. I'll always relate to people about what God has done in my life because I don't know what He's done in the lives of others. But God, you sure have changed this guy. Of all the mistakes I've made and all the times when I come to you, sometimes with my hands wrenched and sometimes with my heart hurting, sometimes with tears flowing down my face, never one time did you ever say, oh, it's you again. No, He's always, and I know you always will, greet your children, no matter what they've done, with a heart of love that only a loving Savior can do. And God, I ask you to forgive me about my shortcomings, about loving. I need need to learn more. I need to develop more of a love walk with you. Because if I'll develop my love walk with you, I don't need to be concerned about how other people are walking. Because it's me I'm concerned about. But when I see that and when I can correct that, (laughs) then you can move in my life. So if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, And you'd like to do that. I'm just looking around. I believe everybody in here has accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I just, uh, 
just need maybe a little touch, someone to agree with me about. Sometimes I just get discouraged. And it's just good to have a friend to pray with me or pray for me. So, Father, I just thank you. If that's anyone in here this morning, we just ask you to come. Anyone in here? Yeah, just come right ahead. Joe, just stand right there. Anyone else here this morning? You may know. You may say, Pastor, I haven't been feeling well. I've, I've got a, some things I'm fighting in my body physically. And if you need God to touch you in healing some way, then I, I want you to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Assurance in knowing that God loves you is one of the most precious things that you'll ever have. And maybe you're here this morning, you're born again, you're saved, and you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. If that's you and you'd like to experience that, you'd like to receive that gift, it's free. No, no, you don't have to have that to get to heaven. It just helps. It's a free gift. It's a free gift, and God will never force himself with anything on anyone. But we know it's real, and we know it's there. Y'all stretch your hands out towards Joe up here. Joe just needs some extra prayer. With the Holy Spirit. Amen. You, 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 you want the bap- you're seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, hold your hands up. Amen. <clears throat> Now, I'm going to lay hands on you a little bit. And when I do, the anointing is going to come on you. And when you receive that language, it's not English, Joe. It's going to come up out of your spirit. So whatever you hear.